and welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a newcomer about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if my friend, first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my co-host today is my good friend, Scott Livingston. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing? Oh, doing well, doing well, you know. As per usual, talking about comics today, so that's always fun. So I am uh, very happy to have you on for the first time. Um, I know that I say this pretty much every episode that I'm happy to have someone on or happy to be here, or excited to be talking about this thing, but uh, you should be, but you were, you were the first person who came to mind when I thought, wait, I do have a friend who likes comics. <laughs> so I'm a fucking fraud, you know? <laughs> like, but, but, but I read different comics. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You, you do read actively, you know, at the comic book store every week. And, uh, um, yeah, luckily we have not read a lot of the same stuff, so we could still do the show together, you yeah. know, and, and, and have some fun with that. Um, so, you know, technically we're still obeying the uh, arbitrary uh, made-up rules that I've made for myself in this show. But, um, uh, oh, well, I guess speaking of rules, um, uh, I like to ask when people are on this <laughs> show for the first time, uh, you know, like what their general experience with comics is and, um, uh, you know, general just, just history with it, um, uh, if you want to go into that a bit. Yeah, so... Uh Honestly, I have liked Batman for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like my earliest memories of childhood are Batman related. Um, and then, but it wasn't really like a reading comics kind of kind of thing. Just Batman in general. I just like, you know, I was a little kid and yeah. I saw Batman and liked him. Uh, he is rad. He is rad. So like early 90s, like most people, like the X-Men animated series started uh, around the same time as the Batman animated series. And I watched all those. And that took me to the comic shop and uh, I wasn't like a weekly reader by any means because I was still, you know, eight years old or something. Yeah. Um, that sort of got me into the world of superheroes and comics in general. Like I, it was, it was a special occasion thing to go to the comic shop and my parents would be like, oh, pick out two comics and it would be two random comics and it didn't Stuff really Stuff you matter. thought looked cool. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember like there was an X Factor annual number eight, I think. That was my jam. It had like all of their like like uh, like uh, bios with like their it listed out all the different members of X Factor and their powers and their hell know, yeah short history and like I loved it. Like literally, the cover was falling off. I read it so much. That's rad. <laughs> um, but I think it was like 2008 or something. My house got broken into, and my whole comic collection got stolen, <sighs> which was bullshit because it wasn't worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> Except like emotionally, it was like yeah. my childhood collection. So my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, Erica, uh, felt really bad for me. And so she went out and bought just a handful of comics. Like she went out to the comic shop to like make me feel better. And she came back with and like what I didn't even realize at the time was like the new 52 had just started. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like this is kind of a perfect time to jump in. <laughs> so it was a it was a second printing of Batman number one or on the new fifty two, and then like a first printing of like two, three, and four, and then like some random X Men and stuff. And so like I basically took that as like my opportunity. Like I'm going to start reading comics weekly again. Yeah, and I sort of did. Um, I I'd say I've been. I mean, I I'm at the comic shop every Wednesday now for the last seven years or something like that yeah so i read like i don't know between five and eight books a week so i like to think i'm fairly well versed that said it's pretty much exclusively dc with some image in there yeah yeah which is very similar to how uh uh 
Chris Ashlock and I talked on the last episode I recorded, um, because of the fact that, uh, uh, I was mentioning how I was like, you know, we both read stuff that Chris doesn't like go to the shop weekly or anything like that. You know, he just, he just has his interests that he goes into like, you know, characters and, and runs and things like that. And, uh, but he's always been more primarily a DC guy. Whereas like, I definitely like, especially when I started was much more into Marvel. And now I like to think I'm, I'm decently well-versed, but I've, I've fucking dove so hard into Marvel that like, I can't get out, you know, like, I, I mean, like, that's just I, like, that's just my foundational stuff, you know? I understand completely. <laughs> yeah. And it's ironic though. Cause you know, for me, like I said, I mean, Batman was sort of my childhood quote unquote hero. Yeah. Um, but the fact that like X-Men is really more, like that gets more of the credit for actually getting me into reading comics. Yeah. And I mean, at one point I have like multiple complete sets of like Marvel trading cards. Yeah. Like I still have them in my basement and like Marvel was my foundation, but I just sort of like, like veered off in the, in the DC. I think the new 52 thing. helped a lot with that though. I think so. I, mean, I, I mean, feel it, like I know so many people like, you know, within our age group that like, started either back up or started for the first time, like when the new 52 stuff launched, because it, it the marketing worked. It, it was an easy thing to jump onto, you know, I well, mean, I like it, for me, it really was just the time, like the coincidental timing of my comics getting stolen. Yeah. And like that, that's it. <laughs> it's been, so, been, it's been there. If it had happened since. during like secret empire, I might've been a Marvel kid. Who knows? Yeah. I say kid, like I'm not an old man, yeah. but you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, yeah, very nice. Yeah. I'm, uh, so, um, as I was saying to you, I wanted to put, put this up top because I feel like whenever we record an episode, um, I'm going to have to mention this, uh, with, with you specifically, at least, um, uh, I, like I said, I know I say this about every set episode, you know, is I'm always like, it's a special episode, whatever. Um, uh, but this is what I will refer to as the inaugural episode of what I'm going to call Nick and Scott Frank Friends. <laughs> <laughs> frankly Friends. How about yeah, that? Yeah, Frankly Friends, because we like Frank Miller. We both love Frank Miller a lot, and uh, we've talked about Frank Miller. We've read a few of the same things, but luckily, again, for this show, we have not read a lot of the same Frank Miller stuff. Apparently um, not. There is still some stuff that I have not read and still some stuff that you have not read. And, uh, we both, uh, we, we got, we got some material we can talk about, you know? And I, and I feel like, um, we are, uh, kicking off, uh, frankly friends with a, with a good one here. Um, because, uh, this is a special book called daredevil, the man without fear. So, uh, we'll get into some facts and, uh, all that jazz about the book real quick, just to give you a general rundown. Um, uh, so if you don't know who daredevil is, uh, daredevil is Matt Murdock. Uh, he's a Marvel comics, uh, superhero who's blind. Uh, his other senses are vastly enhanced and he has the training of a ninja, making him a formidable like vigilante slash fighter by night. And during the day, he operates as a lawyer fighting within the confines of the law. Uh, this particular book um, was intended. It was actually originally intended to be a graphic novel. There's kind of a funny story about that. Um, but it was uh, split into five issues, uh, which were released starting in October of 93 and finished in February of 94. Uh, like we said before, it is written by Frank Miller with art by John Romita Jr. Al, William, Al Williamson does the color or, or inks, excuse me, not colors. Uh, Christy Scheel is on colors and Joe Rosen does the letters. Um, Frank Miller, of course, legendary comic book writer slash artist known for reinventing and reinvigorating characters such as Batman with uh, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, etc. 
and he is responsible for probably the most acclaimed run ever on Daredevil as a character, I think. You know, still being referenced and copied today, you know. <laughs> but um, John Romita Jr., uh, kind of a similarly uh, high-pedigree artist who has worked on practically every major superhero character from Marvel imaginable, plus a lot of top-tier DC books and characters. Um, he also co-created Kick-Ass with Mark Miller. Um, you know, I mean, I did not know that. Yes. I mean, like, uh, you know, he's a pretty, pretty well-known figure, you know, I think even at this time, like both these guys were kind of known as juggernauts, like, you know, like uh, Frank was already off of his, you know, seminal works in the eighties, you know, and, and Romita was just plugging away and, you know, really delving into his own style at this point, which, you know, some people love or hate, but you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's made him you know, iconic for a reason, I guess, you know, so <laughs> know, made but, plenty of money. Yes. Yeah, so plenty of money. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So like, uh, I guess just a little bit more background on this, some, uh, just because I, I, I love some of these stories, but, um, after coming off of his run on X-Men, Romita was actually kind of in a tough spot. He was assigned to draw this book, um, for Marvel's new universe called star brand. And, uh, I personally love that book, but it did not so well. And, uh, <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> he was, he was, uh, the story that I, that I always hear him tell, um, is that he was like ready to like quit. Like he was just so disillusioned with everything. Like, you know, and it like, and, uh, I guess it was the editor of this book, uh, Ralph Macho, um, the karate kid. Yes. The karate kid. Fame, I, fame Marvel editor. <laughs> I didn't see that until today when I was flipping back through this yeah. and I was like, Holy shit! There's no way it's the Karate Kid. Oh no, and, it's, and, not. And no it's not. It's it's definitely it's not, not the Karate no. Kid. But I was <laughs> I was really excited and then a little disappointed. But you know, it figures. You know, like a uh, Ralph Macchio, um, a very well known um, and well regarded editor at Marvel for a long time. Um, uh, he uh, he actually like you know saw like Ramita kind of being you know down in the dumps and stuff, and uh, and opted him to start doing Daredevil while Anne Nascenti was writing it. And, uh, it just like, he just fell in love with it. Like, you know, this was like this, his shit that he wanted to do, you know? And, and, and if you ever read that Anne Nascenti daredevil stuff, like with him, when he <clears throat> jumps on the art, like he just excels at working in this world, in my opinion, you know, and, and you could tell he's having so much fun with it. And, uh, eventually I guess like, you know, he was working on daredevil and, uh, he, he got like the gumption to like talk to Frank Miller and he was basically just like, we should work on something. And I guess, uh, he tells a funny story about how he opted. He's like, he's like, come on, Frank, let's, let's do something like let's do Wolverine. And Frank Miller's just like, eh, everybody's doing Wolverine. Like, <laughs> like he's just, just fucking sick of Wolverine. Everyone's always doing Wolverine. Yeah. And like, uh, so, uh, I guess like, but he was like, he was like, I do have this other thing though. And, uh, he sends Ramita a draft of this story that we're talking about, but it was like a 64 page, like shorter standalone graphic novel version of it. And, um, uh, Ramita referred to it. He was like, he was like, it's like year one, but for daredevil. You know, and like, uh, which is a pretty high watermark, you know, and uh, Marvel, like at this point, it was a weird like timeline of events here because they actually kind of decided at this point that they were going to axe like the original graphic novel thing for a time. Uh, they weren't going to like, like do all, that. all together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They just weren't doing it for a while. Um, uh, and um, the uh, editor again, you know, uh, Ralph Macchio, like he advised Frank, he's like, he's like, why don't you, why don't you add some more like pages and, and beef it up and we can just make it a mini series, you know? And uh, to which Frank ended up adding 84 more pages, like so doubling the length basically. And, uh, Miller was like clearly at this point itching to do some more with daredevil. You know, it's a character he redefined in a run that 
you know, that's basically the reason he was like shot into the stratosphere, you know, because after that, he started doing the Batman stuff and all that jazz. And uh, was this sorry, uh, was this this was after Dark Knight Rises or uh, oh, yeah. Dark Knight Returns, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. this was okay. like the, this was the mid uh, early to mid 90s. Right. So D- Dark Knight Returns is 80, 86, six. Yes. And yeah. year one is, do you know, 87? Yeah, right it's, it's not long time. after. Um, okay. uh, but like, yeah, because he was just hitting them back to back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I had planned to ask that question. Yeah. So, I, I didn't bother to Google it because I thought it'd be good conversation. Oh, no, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, I guess if I have to get, I always like to give like a non-spoiler kind of description of the book before we talk about it. And like the best way I could describe this one is it's a book meant to recontextualize Daredevil's origin by primarily focusing on like three key points in his life before, you know, he puts on the famed red suit, you know, uh, that's really all I can say. I mean, like, if you know Daredevil's origin, you know this story, technically. Like, I have a question about but, it, but I'm going to yeah. ask it when we get to it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I guess we can move into uh, talk about, like, uh, my first experience with this book and um, uh, and what, what you might have thought going into it, you know? Um, uh, so, like, um, it my it's pretty simple on this one. Uh, you know, I, I read this after getting into Frank Miller. Um, I had read Dark Knight Returns and his Daredevil run, which I love dearly you know and uh i was basically like is this more of that then yes please you know i mean like that it was a no-brainer you know and um you know i i know you've obviously heard of this story because you brought it up when we still when we were talking about what we could do and um uh so i know you were aware of it but um, i'm curious like uh what you thought like before reading it like what did you expect so i feel so before i mean obviously before i read this but as far as Frank Miller goes, like I've read like Dark Knight Returns and the sequel, which we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> we'll do it on the show one day. I guess that we can't. We both and, read it. We can do it with I, someone who hasn't read it. I read I've read Superman Year One, which was this exact same creative team. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, with, that was Ramita. I forgot yeah, about that shit. Which is another <laughs> we won't talk about because we might do that one later. Yeah. Um, and then like some Sin City. Like yeah, that was my Frank Miller. Uh, oh, and and let's not forget All Star Batman and, the, and Robin the Boy Wonder, which, which we will uh, do one day on this show. We will do that. And that <laughs> series, spoilers for that episode, maybe uh, soured me a little bit on Frank Miller. I was like, oh, he's gone off the rails. Like, oh no, <laughs> he's gotten too Frank Miller for his own good. And so I went into this sort of expecting the worst, even though. I mean, logically thinking like, yeah, this was before this was earlier yeah. in his career. I, but, you know, it's just sort of my preconceived whatever. Uh, I went into it expecting like outrageously over the top Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, nobody would blame you for that because I mean, like he started mixing the bombastic, crazy shit like in while he was still doing some critically acclaimed stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, like. It's there's not like just a line where you draw where like anything after this point, don't do that because Miller's like he kind of a mixed bag, I guess. I mean, yeah, even know? after even after All Star All Star Batman and Robin, like like Superman Year One, which again, no spoilers or whatever, but like it's much more sort of like grounded and like yeah, reasonable and not. I've heard absolutely batshit. Yeah. The I mean, way I, that some of his stuff is. Yeah. I mean, I've heard good things about that book, you know. I mean, and uh, I uh. I read one, um, 
I know. You know what's funny is I never finished Dark Knight three, and yeah. it and it wasn't because I disliked it. It was more like just the the schedule of it coming out. It was so random, and like I would never remember what the hell was going on. And the book was like seven bucks every time it came out, and I, I was buying too much stuff and i was just like man i'm gonna drop this like you know about like halfway through when that book was coming out that was like when i was a real sucker for like variants and special editions and all this so i have that whole series in like those like the hard super covers deluxe, right yeah, yeah. hard covers <laughs> and then at the very end they gave you like a fancy like slip case that they all fit in and so it just turns into like this six inch thick book on your bookcase and i'm like this doesn't even look good like but i can't get rid of it i invested all this time and energy and money and like it's mine now i guess yeah and it's like you know, I can't just, I can't get rid of it because it would break up the trilogy. And, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm well, a, I'm I don't a remember, I don't remember disliking that book though. I just remember like not really remembering what happened, like by the time the next issue would come out yeah. and like, I just ended up dropping it. But funny enough, I did read like the kind of sequel to that, the, uh, the golden child. Yeah. That one was weird. I kind of dug it though. Like I was like surprised, like how much I liked it you it's, know I was it's like, an interesting concept for sure yeah like it, honestly it's been so long since i've since i've read that series i I barely remember what happened in either but if i remember right it was basically like superman like had a kid right yeah. with another kryptonian and that was the golden child and like it grows up to destroy the earth or something yeah like yeah it's almost like the omen Spoilers, in the dark Knight universe <laughs> but it was uh yeah i i was surprised how much i liked it you know like i mean uh i was like i was like you know frank still got some some gas in the tank you know i mean he's a legend for a reason you know yeah. i mean like and uh um yeah i guess i could go minor spoilers for our very end of discussion but um uh yeah i love this book and that we're talking about so i'm uh i'm, I'm excited to get into it and see what you think yeah. um uh, as far as well i guess one more thing i'll mention uh yeah. as far as john Rita jr goes i didn't even realize he did this book mm -hmm. until i borrowed it from you yeah um so that was just that was just sort of an, an interesting addition i think, it, I think if you didn't even have the credits like at first Back like, then, I don't know that artists really got credits on books. Well, I mean, like, uh, well, no, he did. They they did. Um, on the on this okay. one at least, I have the single issues of this one too. Nice. And like, uh, but um, that's what that was my goal. Of I was like, if I ever meet Frank Miller, like, I gotta have a book that I'm ready to bring. <laughs> and, and and this is the one but that I mine brought. is. Uh, I have I have a first edition hardcover of Batman Year One. There you go. That yeah, <laughs> Erica got me for. I think it was like my first. Like the first birthday or Christmas after we started dating, she got that for me. Nice. And it was like years later, I was looking at it, I was like, holy shit, this is a first edition. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, that's yeah, rad. <laughs> unfortunately, I've all the Comic Cons I've been to, I've I've yet to meet Frank Miller. I'm always just like, if I get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I've tried like at, at San Diego, like I tried some of the like the. Like the dark horse where you the drawing, yeah, where you'd like draw a bead out of a bag, and if you got the right color, you got the signing or whatever. Yeah, I never got the right bead. Yeah, I mean, like I get it, you know. I mean, like <clears throat> Frank is, you know, a fucking star in comics, so I mean, like well, you know, he's you he's getting up there in age, yeah. and he probably just doesn't. He don't really fucking care. sit there for all the yeah. goddamn day. I mean, I wouldn't either. I don't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> I have a bunch of me's coming up to him. That'd be terrible. Yeah. You know, like it's more power to the guys yeah. who like do sit there for like three hours. Yeah, true enough. Like, yeah, <laughs> the the uh, 
Marv Wolfmans of the world who just sit in Artist Alley and anybody can go like that blew my mind. That blew my mind just too. Walk right up to Marv Wolfman. Seriously, did I, did I tell you about when? Because because we uh, you know for the listeners here, we did go to San Diego together um, in 2019, and uh, when I met Wolfman, like he was just sitting there, and I don't know how long he'd been sitting. Maybe he just sat down. I don't know. Like, but there was literally just no one there. And I just like walked up to him and I was like, uh, uh hey, <laughs> like, you know, like, is this okay? Can you sign my Nova book for me? <laughs> like, you know, like, I was like, yeah, it was, it was, that was pretty rad. I, I he was super li- nice too. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I won't lie. Like I, I was in t- too intimidated. I, I'm kicking myself now. Like I remember we were leaving the, like right next to him. I was like, oh, there's Marv Wolfman. Yeah, he wasn't even in like a, in like a, like a, mythic spot that you had to like oh, right zigzag there. to he's like right by the door like it was like and you're just like what and like i stopped and so we, you know, we were on our way out and i stopped and i was like oh shit that's marv wolfman over there and eric was like do you want to like go say hi and i was like i don't have anything for him to sign yeah i was like and like in hindsight i should have just gone up and been like shook his hand and been like thank you so much for everything you've done for comic books that sir yeah <laughs> And then like knelt in front of him for a minute, but like I just I walked away and I missed that opportunity. And I still kick myself about it. Have I ever have I ever told you about the joke that uh, Elena and I have about Peter David? No. Oh. So like we went to New York Comic Con in like twenty seventeen, maybe it was twenty eighteen. I don't remember, but we went and um, I don't know why I was keeping up on all the information way more hardcore than I ever do now, like oh, for, for the conventions yeah. and things like that. And I think it's because there was like the first like really big con that I ever went to. And like, um, <laughs> so if I could like, I, I go up and, and I have a uh, Spider-Man 2099 book, um, not of, from the original series. It was from the reboot in like 2015, uh, that Peter David also wrote. Um, but I knew that the artist Sliney was going to be there. So I brought that book and uh, I went up to him. Um, uh, he was sitting right next to, I think like Alex Maleev or something. And like, so I got something signed by Alex Maleev and As uh, you should. yeah. And then, uh, and then I got that book signed by him and I was talking to him and I was just like, I was just like, yeah, like I really, I really dig, you know, I, I love Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man 2099, you know? And like, and I was just like, I was like, I really dig this series. I'm so glad that you guys got to bring him back, you know, or whatever. And, uh, he was like, oh yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, you should tell Peter that. And I was like, Peter David's here. And he was just like, he was like, yeah, like he, he was just around here somewhere. He's got a table somewhere. And I was like, fucking Peter David. Like, I was like, why wasn't he you know, like on any of the lists that I saw? And like, <laughs> and so it was so funny because like, we like scoured around, found where Peter David was. He was just setting up his things and it was super awkward because we just stood there <laughs> while he was like silently like putting things out and like he, cause he has a bunch of stuff. Like he sells, <laughs> he sells like scripts and stuff like that. And like, you know, he'll sign stuff like, you know, scripts for you and stuff, which is cool. Um, but he, and he had like a little like stuffed lock jaw and stuff like that. And like, and we're just watching him set up and there's one other dude there, like just like waiting and we're like all not saying anything. And then like, and, and like I said, this was like the middle of the day and he was like just setting up like his table and he didn't even have a fucking name plaque. And I was like, maybe he was not, maybe he's not on the list. 
Like maybe he didn't have a spot and then he just showed up and he's like, I'm Peter David. Like you need to let me in, you know? And, and everybody's like, I, I guess, you know, like, and it's like, I, but we have this joke that like, he just wanders around to con- He doesn't, he doesn't fill out any of the, <laughs> or like, he just shows up yeah, says, he just shows up and he's like, uh, I'm, yes, go- I'm going to I'm, be here. I'm Peter like, David. Where's my table? Yeah. Like I was like, what the fuck? Peter David. <laughs> He was also very nice, but yes, but still, I was like, I was like, I was like, I didn't know you were going to be here. And he was like, he was like, he was like, I'm always here. Like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. Awesome. Fucking Peter David. Well, anyway, uh, back to the <laughs> topic at hand. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess we could just dive into the story at this point. Um, sure. uh, and without further ado, um, uh, uh, so this is the portion of the show where we go over the story in depth to give context for like our discussion. I mean, full spoilers ahead. You've been warned. Um, let's just start off from the beginning here. So uh, this story uh, starts off on the gritty streets of Hell's Kitchen, and we're introduced to a, a young Matt Murdock. I think it's it said at some point he's supposed to be like eight years old at this point. And uh, so, you know, like I said, this is basically just a retelling of his origin, but it has a bit more detail and like recontextualizes Matt so that we get a more interesting view of him as a character. Um, so starts and we see matt is actually like a bit of a troublemaker which is like contrary to what we've seen in like the classic origin you know i mean like we don't really get what he's like before he like starts to study all the time and stuff like that so yeah i didn't even know yeah so oh i guess that's worth mentioning this is like the first daredevil story i've even ever read really yeah (laughs) i didn't know that (laughs) so uh i've seen the tv uh, the the netflix show oh so you so you're very familiar with everything Uh, that happens in this book because this is where i I mean there's a lot of it yeah yeah. Uh, like and then, like, when I was a kid, on those random trips to the comic book store, occasionally there'd be a Daredevil book in there. Yeah. But as far as an actual story goes, this is this is basically my first. Yeah. Well, and I mean, um, if you were reading stuff before Frank took over, now granted, love the Gene Colan, Stan Lee stuff, um, you know, it's classic, but I mean, even Frank will say himself, he's like, I'm not telling made up shit, but like, everybody knew Daredevil was like a poor man Spider-Man. That's what this was. <laughs> you know, before Frank fucking made him the coolest fucking thing, you know, <laughs> in Marvel. But like, yeah, like, so, yeah, that's it. That's interesting that this is just going to be a really oh, interesting conversation. Then There was also, I I, I, sh- I meant to look this up uh, because when I was a kid, I don't remember if it was a made for TV movie or a TV show about Daredevil. I think it was the sequel if I if I'm not mistaken, was it animated? No, no, it was live action. I think it was. I think he was in the second Incredible Hulk movie with Lou Ferrigno. Did that have Daredevil in it? I might be making it up. I know that in that show, like Thor appears at one point. I don't know about Daredevil though. Like I say, I should I should have done research. I don't know. We I can forgot. we can Google it later. It's yeah. all right. <laughs> But so that was the other thing that I knew about Daredevil. I'd seen him on TV, whether it was a TV yeah. movie or whatever. He was in like the, the, in animation at least, um, I think he showed up in the Spider-Man animated series from like when we were kids okay. too, um, at, at a point. Um, you know, I mean, he was there, like I knew who Daredevil was, yeah. you know, at least like growing up, but like he was never like one that I was like, oh yeah, gotta go, gotta go get that, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like it's just, uh, but yeah, so. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting that like you know when we start this off like he's kind of a troublemaker. Um, uh, you know he he's like messing with cops and <laughs> skateboarding around and shit and just just causing mischief. And uh, you know it gets established that uh 
he finds solace and peace like in the in the boxing gym you know where his dad trains and stuff and he'll go there by himself and you know just like kind of sit around and punch the bag and stuff and uh we meet matt's dad jack um who is like you know immediately from the first panel we see him just this depressed single father just gazing at the the picture of, of his ex wife and uh like you know so, yeah <laughs> so he's a uh he's a pro boxer um but you know he's he's way past his prime he ends up getting roped into the employee of a local crime boss uh, the fixer basically he just uh he he has to go around collecting money that's owed to the fixer and if they can't pay up jack has to you know use Box force them. And, yeah beat beat shit out of people <laughs> um this leads us to the ever so famous conversation between Matt and Jack in which Jack tells his son that he can't be anything like him and he has to be special and not be a mindless brute like his dad. And, uh, this gets further illustrated when we get a a scene where Matt comes home all excited to tell his dad how he handled a bully by like pushing him back, you know, and he's all, he's like, you should have seen it dad or whatever. And, uh, Jack is like so angry. He actually hits Matt in this instance, um, uh, in this version, at least, uh, causing him, he like runs away for the night. And, uh, I think that this is really fat. This might be kind of like upon like first read, it seems like it might be stretching it a bit, but I've read this so many times that like, it just kind of flows for me. But, um, this ends up being like Matt's, my parents lied to me moment. Like, you know, <laughs> like it, it, like, you know, it, as of like, you know, when a kid finds out that like the Easter bunny's not real or some shit, like, what? you know, it's like, yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> but you know like who's been giving me the basket <laughs> yeah but you know this is like what sets him on the course to realizing that like he's he he justifies he's like if my dad who's like the greatest person in the world like to me like through my eyes can do something wrong then anybody can do wrong things and this train of thought like brings him to the conclusion that laws and rules are the only thing that can stop the wrong in the world influencing him to you know eventually pursue the goal of becoming a lawyer and like kind of start getting good grades and focusing on school and stuff and you know so after this like i said matt does like actually do what his dad asks and and you know he he doesn't fight back when kids are bullying him uh they they get and the kids are like super ruthless they beat him up and they call him daredevil as an insult which which this is a bit uh too on the nose uh, a little bit for like, sure i was like that's not even like a that's not a name that would hurt somebody's feelings well we get why it hurts his feelings a little yeah, later I um guess. Uh, like i mean like it's 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 a little flimsy but yeah I feel like he harkens back to the name too much, but I feel like he, Frank tries to like, he uses a bit too much repetition to like, to like drive home, you know, the, the name daredevil. But I, I, I get it just because it's, it's supposed to be his origin. So we got to work that shit in. Yeah. I'll allow it because Frank Miller, but like, it's a bit ham fisted. Yeah. 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 It's a part that always, that always kind of takes me out a little bit, you know? Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll find out later, like why specifically that bothers Matt that they call him daredevil, you know, but, um, you know, but, but, you know, Matt doesn't break. He, he keeps at it and, uh, you know, keeps his promise. Um, he studies hard. He takes out all of his anger and rage on the punching bag in the gym. And, uh, it's here. Uh, we also see he gets, uh, noticed clandestinely by a, a blind man in the gym who's going to factor in the story a little bit later. And, uh, I, I kind of, I, I will say like, besides the whole naming him daredevil thing, uh, I kind of love this element of the story where Matt decides like not to fight, it's it's kind of reminiscent of the same idea that you commonly see used in like uh, young Superman stories, you know, where it's like he has to 
you know, not show like his ability and like he has right. to pretend to be bad at football or some shit, you know, <laughs> like it's like, um, but this is a bit more layered and interesting to me because, uh, at this point, Matt is like just a kid, like he's a little kid, you know? And like, but he's morally and mentally ahead. Like, you know, it, it makes this decision like, you know, it, normal kids like wouldn't do that, you know? And like, it, it's, it just shows like his, his morality in place, like from such a young age, you know, like that, that it's like, Oh, that really influences his or informs you on his character, I guess. Well, and I think I, I, I would imagine part of that is supposed to be, you know, because his dad told him basically his dad told him not to. Yeah. And so he's like, and then he got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, yeah. oh, I guess I better listen to my dad. Yeah. And like, so now uh, we jump uh, a little bit ahead and we, we get the, the superpower origin. So it's it's a sped up version of what like everybody knows, if you know anything about Daredevil. And like, so, you know, Matt saves a blind man from getting run over by a truck. The truck spills some radioactive chemicals, blinding Matt for his trouble, sending him to the hospital. And, and um, see, I never knew until this. And I was going to I had that in my yeah. notes. Has it always been radioactive uh, powers? Yeah. I mean, I, know um, I mean, of, like, well, radioactive sort of waste. Jam. Yeah, radioactive waste. Okay. Because, like, so. prior, I mean, like I said, my my knowledge is limited, but I was always just heard like, oh, it was chemicals. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, Nick, you know, but, but yeah, I didn't they, know they loved. This was the era where they loved their radioactivity oh, yeah. shit, you know. So. But I didn't know if that meant like, are his? I don't know if you have this answer. Is this to imply that his like quote unquote his his abilities? We'll say his powers are like radioactively bestowed upon him. I mean, like in, in all technical, I think Frank even writes in here that like, you know, it, it seeps into his skin yeah. and like uh, behind his eyes and like, and I guess like by like, 60s marvel logic that like, what it, kind of chemicals were these? Yeah. I mean like uh, by 60s marvel logic, he, his senses, his other senses are, are overloaded. What do you think would have right? happened if like he had just soaked his hand in those same chemicals? He just grows like, 15, 15 hands yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but like, so. yeah, I'd, I'd never i mean like i said I'm, I'm not you know the connection to the teenage mutant ninja turtles don't you what well like so okay in uh the original mirage comics uh teenage mutant ninja turtles um it's a spoof on daredevil where uh that waste that gets matt goes into the sewer lands on the turtles that's what makes them the turtles really yeah i did not know that <laughs> yeah that was like that's, their that was like their little tribute kind of like tongue-in-cheek wink at daredevil that's fun yeah i like it yeah <laughs> but um uh so you know um yeah so this is like i said kind of a sped up version like frank's like okay get past the shit like you know like it's like we, we <laughs> everyone already knows this. yeah like everybody already knows There's this pearls oh wait we're, no wrong guy. we're not here to retell this part you know like uh, like wholeheartedly so but um i will say like even though it's like a short scene it's only like a page like but um uh i love the captions here it's like this he he writes it like it's like a poetic myth or something you know like it, like it, i have it quoted here where he says uh um it's a picture perfect day one matt will never forget the last he will ever see a helpless old blind man, a careening truck, a decision made faster than thought gallons of horrid spewing muck, pain and darkness. And then like these, uh, I love to like the, the, some bystanders 
or bystanders that are like, you know, witness the accident, like their speech bubbles read, like, they're like, it's the bravest thing I've ever seen. What is his face, his eyes? And like one guy's like, my God, that stuff in his eyes, is my it God. radioactive? And then like, and I, I love though, like it's just so fucking dark, like the caption box after that, like after the guy asks, is it radioactive? It just says, yes, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> like it's like, it's super cool. <laughs> one thing about this book that is undeniably Frank Miller are the captions. Yeah. And like I didn't, real like you know modern comic books they use captions a lot but most captions are sort of like internal monologue yeah he he has like a omniscient narrator here like for most but of the it book. like sort of it, it's not even like a narrator it's like it's like a storyteller where like yeah it will seamlessly go between their thoughts and things they say that's and like, true because it's like someone telling you the story mm-hmm. which I hadn't read anything like that in a long time, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no, he 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 does it really well. I mean, like without those, it's like the atmosphere is completely lost, almost. You know, I mean, like uh, it, I, it's it might be my favorite part of the book is just the way he integrates that narration like into everything. It's like it's what makes it like noirish and cool and like you know de- like more meaningful than <laughs> than it would be otherwise, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, accident happens. Matt's rushed to the hospital. Uh, his eyes, you know, have no hope, <laughs> but his other senses go wild. <laughs> and he kind he kind of speeds past this shit just so that <laughs> we don't have to like see him like all the time, like just like just like figuring what? out his powers or figuring out like that he can hear better now and like all this stuff. And uh, you know, but basically, it's like you know he can hear things way beyond like you know normal human capacity. He can feel things more acutely. Uh, just everything is raised to another level, and. Uh, Frank had to add this in because it's part of his run. Um, uh, This is probably my only critique is not this part, but there's a few things in this book and maybe I'll go into it more in overall thoughts, but Matt's visited by a nun who somehow makes him feel comforted. He's like, somehow I feel better like with her in my presence or whatever. (laughs) Spoilers. It's his mom, but whatever, you know, and, and (laughs) but, but, um, you know, life goes on and uh, Matt, like, you know, kind of, resents people like you know trying to help him but also can't get over like what happened so he's kind of like he's kind of like throwing a pity party for himself but he also like hates that like people like want to help him and shit like that and like uh um he goes to the gym where he's uh followed by that blind man from before um who reveals himself to be yeah (laughs) who reveals himself to be stick um stick tells matt to uh basically stop feeling sorry for himself and explains that he can make him a warrior and uh for what purpose uh we don't know yet but uh matt is like all in and like picks himself up you know and uh and and we never will if you only read this book that's true you never you really will. never will yeah yeah <laughs> again one of my my only real critique with the book um uh but um we get several montages and scenes of them like training together. Uh, Stick teaches them how to use like the air in the room to feel out movement and like, you know, like, like using his heightened senses for that kind of purpose and uh, teaches them how to shoot a bow and arrow accurately, even though they're both blind, which is, you know, fucking sick. <laughs> like they, they go running and doing like parkour ninja shit on rooftops, you know, which, which is, you know, a staple and, uh, uh, just classic superpowered visually impaired people activities, you know, that double page spread on the jump, like running through rooftops is very good. Oh yeah. And like Dawn is like yeah, breaking. Like, like, yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> so, I was, I don't know if you know this or not. So obviously this is, this is like a reprint. I mean, obviously it's a trade yeah. that I'm reading. Um, was this recolored? Do you know? 
in that version, um, what's the colorist credited? Uh, it should be Shiel. Chris Shiel. So she did the original one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I have a... This is an original printing of the the graphic novel, at least, like for, or the trade when they first printed it as a trade. Because, yeah, um, like the, the color, the you like, especially like... Listeners can't see this, but the coloring of the sky there is very good. And yeah. like the gradient of it, like it looked digital. And it's like, well, that wouldn't have been digital in 92. Yeah. So I didn't know if, I mean, or if they even got the same colorist to recolor it or not. I don't know. Could be. I mean, like uh, as, as far as I know, uh, Shield is, is still uh, credited on, on all the versions that, that I know of at least. Um, but uh, yeah, so like um, at this point, you know, they're just doing ninja shit and it's cool, you know? <laughs> I, I did notice too here, uh, and I don't know if this means anything or not, or if I'm trying to make something out of nothing, yeah. but I noticed when I was flipping through here earlier that aside from, so like he gets blinded and then there's like the one scene of him, like trying to work out in the gym when the creeper's spying on him <laughs> stick. <yeah>. But <laughs> other than that, like he's like wearing his glasses, mm-hmm. the whole, like the sunglasses the whole time. Yeah. And then this is this double page spread is the first time we see him without post blinding without without sunglasses on. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, well, like maybe like some symbolic reference there. You yeah. Know? So I, I mean, started like, flipping through and like I won't get too ahead of ourselves here, but I'm like, well, I wonder if they're going to do like, oh, well, Matt Murdock wears sunglasses and Daredevil doesn't. And like that actually holds up. Oh, yeah. For a yeah. while. And then it gets very inconsistent. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, but that end. would have been a really fun thing. I, I think that that's uh, that might have been something innately kind of in the character before Miller. It, it might just be something that's subconscious to them when they think of that, though, yeah. you know, because I mean, like, that is kind of a thing that, that they do. Um, yes. Yeah, so, like after this, basically, you know, Matt is starting to like kind of get back on his feet. Um, and uh, we catch up a little bit with Jack at this point. Um and he's like having an early morning run. And uh, we're told through like the narration that he's actually been winning fights lately. And uh, he hasn't even been called by the fixer for a while to like, you know, collect and stuff. And uh, things are looking up. But uh, the fixer at this point actually drives by Jack and explains that his wins are all because the fixer has like set it up that way. He's basically turned him into like a Trojan horse to like, you know, clean up in gambling circles, fixing fights and shit and uh yeah and so he tells jack that um he's like he's like now you gotta lose that fight tomorrow see you know and uh (laughs) (laughs) but but um he does look like he talks like that yeah yeah all of all of the the gang guys feel like they talk (laughs) like that in this book um but yeah so you know because he's like I think he even says something like super like that. Um, at the end where he's like, he's like the usual threats apply, you know, yeah. or whatever, like, you know, <laughs> but, um, so I don't even have to say it. Yeah. And so like, we, we pick up like, you know, the next day or the next night during the big fight that he's supposed to throw. And, um, it's like the fourth round and like both boxers are like beat the hell up and, uh, they're both in their corners and Jack is getting an earful from a mobster about how he needs to, he's like, you gotta fall real nice. See, like, you know, and all that shit. And, and uh, Jack is basically like, fuck you. <laughs> like, not really, but he he actually does say something pretty great. I, I quoted it here, but he says, uh, I'm thinking my boy is out there in the audience and I'm thinking about how I told him one thing worth a damn. I told him to never give up. Never. It's time to show him his dad may be a loser, but he's no quitter. And I love this so much, too, because like we can infer like because Matt is in the crowd like that with his senses, like he heard that. You know, and like, like I, I kind of love that. You know, <laughs> like so. I, I like that. Uh, so uh, I, I have the uh, benefit of 
reading along as we're talking, but I like that the panel in which he says that Matt is in, he is in the crowd with a radio up to his ear, oh, which yeah. <laughs> is just really funny considering yeah. that he could like, no, he can hear everything. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, he's, he's listening to the fight on the radio and he's listening to his dad on the other side of his head. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the next panel is just awesome. Like the, I'm oh, a, the fight. I'm gonna go yeah. fuck him up. He's yeah, and he fucking he fucking knocks him the fuck out. So like <laughs> uh so yeah, so going against the the fixer's instructions, you know, Jack wins the fight. And on his way out later that night, he gets jumped. Um it's super fucking brutal. It, <laughs> and like and and with like super dark descriptions from Miller, like, you know, just like it, it, yeah, it's it's fucked up. And these, like these like <laughs> These are where Frank, the, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a Frank Miller book. Oh, yeah. Like, scenes he like talks this. about like how like they beat him until it's like a wet sponge sound and stuff. And like, it's just like, fuck, dude. Like, it's it's it, super like. And they published this in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is something that like I would have been eight years old. Yeah. If I had picked this up as some random book. Like, oh, a Daredevil, okay. Yeah. And then I read this, <laughs> I'd be scarred by yeah. it. <laughs> I think a lot of people felt that way about his run earlier in the 80s, too, because, I mean, like, you know, I mean, spoilers, like, everybody knows this, but, and, and we'll probably do it on the show one day, but I'm sure you know Electra gets killed by Bullseye, and uh, that was, like, a really big deal, like, especially the way it happens, you know, yeah. it's like, it's just, it, Frank even says, like, in interviews now, he's like, he's like, I... I am so surprised Marvel let me do this. Like, you know, like, like, I mean, but yeah, like this scene, like there's a, this whole panel where his dad's got a gun in his mouth. Oh God. Yeah. That, that's like, the brutal part too, because like, geez. so like, yeah, after, after Jack and the part you're talking about is like, after Jack is down, he can like barely move. He's just fucked up. You know, the fixer gets out of his car, puts a gun in Jack's mouth. Jack just smiles and, and, and fixer just murders him. And like the next part of the story is Matt just brutally hunting down the gangsters who were involved. And like, he beats two of them to a pulp in an alley. They think they, they like these cops find them and they think that they're like, they're like, it's the ghost of Jack Murdoch, you know, and all this stuff. And, uh, he beats the hell out of two more in a gym in a cool sequence. And, uh, God, the way he beats the big guy, Slade. The knee? <laughs> yeah, dude. That was another insane. one where I was like, oh, this is a Frank Miller book. Yeah. He, he lures him into a boxing ring kicks his knee and beats his face while holding a roll of pennies and then kicks him, kicks at him, like breaking several ribs. Like it's, it's super like, God damn. The you know? pennies sequence is so good though. Like, yeah. Like he with, hits him in the, and the roll breaks and more pennies are falling out. Yeah. This is the type it's of shit where good. it's like too, you know, it's like, it, it like, I mean, I guess like just knowing Miller, like you're like, you know, reading this, you're thinking like, Oh man, like this is like that, great Miller descriptive stuff but like when you look at it as informing the character of Matt it's like Matt is so full of rage you know and it's just yeah. like it, it's ah oh man well figure yeah uh, like I assume at this at this point he's supposed to be like a teenager yeah so like yeah I mean teenagers are all full of rage you know yeah. and, and just looking for something to aim it at so it's like oh you just gave this kid with like essentially superpowers something to aim his rage at exactly yeah good luck and like uh, the superpower thing is is more relevant in this next part where uh basically he goes after the fixer and turns uh full jeepers creepers um he he hops on the car <laughs> like breaks the windshield and shit and like chases him into the subway but it, um he matt actually gets kind of messed up because uh 
uh, when he goes down there, like the loud sound of the train, like basically blinds him from everything. Like, you know, he wasn't like expecting it. And, um, when he comes to, he realizes fixer has a gun pulled on him, but is so scared and like fatigued from running from Matt that like, uh, his heart actually just gives out and he dies. Like, uh, like Matt doesn't do anything to him. He just, he just keels over. And, um, now there's only like one member left, um, who happens to be at like a brothel and Matt like tracks him down there jumps on him with like all these people around like he just doesn't give a shit and uh like some of the women actually jump on him thinking like they're like they're like it's a raid or something you know and they and they uh they claw and like beat on matt and like there's so many of them like matt just like thrashes and he accidentally hits one of them out of a window and like this is really descriptive too where like matt hears her on her way down he's like she doesn't scream like she just says a, a silent she says a prayer and then he just hears her body crash into the pavement and she dies, you know? And it's like, it's messed up. Yeah. And, and this is too, like insanely significant in this story. Like he will constantly reflect on this moment, like going forward. Um, it, it sort of like replaces what would usually be like it, just his, cause they don't really talk about like the whole, like, catholic nature of daredevil in this story i mean like frank goes into that in his run and whatnot but like uh this like this moment of this this woman dying is kind of like it replaces like what would normally be like his catholic guilt like you know in the story um but yeah so like matt has like no idea what to do after this like he just kind of runs away and ends up going to the gym and he's looking for stick who is nowhere to be found uh matt just like Cause stick doesn't give a shit stick doesn't give a shit yeah and like uh matt just like lies on the floor in despair and he's just helpless and lost you know and um uh, we do cut to stick as like an epilogue to this part of the story in which he's talking this is the shit that it's just like you won't know what the hell's going on if you oh, yeah. read this. So it's like, I, I had had a note about this. I was just like, your dick's mystery meeting. It's one. I was like, it's like two pages yeah. too. Like, I was it, like, it's I, just like, it's, it's not, it's one page. Yeah. It's one page. It's one page <laughs> it's of like, some really vague shit. And I'm just like, that's just comics. Yeah. Like, you're I like, assume that's in some other story somewhere else. I do think it, I do think it's, well, not too strange because Frank had already done like his run and it was already considered seminal and important, you know? And so like, oh, wait, so I, this, this was after his main run? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I he, had, came, he came back to do this. Oh. Like, you know, so... Um, See, I had had it in my head that this was like the beginning of his run. Nope. He did this way after. That's why it has all these random references to like his run okay. and stuff. So like... So this happened already? Yes. yes. Interesting. So like, um, uh, basically like, you know... The scene plays out where, like, uh, he, he's talking to, like, this meditating man in the shadows named Stone, and I go, hey, hey stick and stone, you know? And, uh, but... Like, <laughs> oh, but, man. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, but basically, Stick is telling Stone that uh, Matt... He's like, he's like, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's a lost cause, and Stone is all, come on, like, give him a chance. Uh, we gotta fight the darkness that's coming, and only two adepts... It's so specific. He's like, he's like, only two adepts have been born this generation, Matt Murdock and the Electra Girl, and, and she's already corrupted. She may turn to the enemy, you know. So we're setting up Electra Star a little Wars. bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but Stick is like, nah, dog. He's out, and that's final, you know. Like, and that's that's that. And uh, who made you boss? Yeah. <laughs> so now uh, we the next part of the story here. Um, uh, we leap forward a year, and uh, we meet Foggy Nelson, Matt's uh, classmate at Columbia University and roommate. Uh, Foggy is like being tortured by a bully. And <laughs> can, can I just say, yep. I love these, like, again, this is not a visual medium, 
but these arrow captions. Oh yeah, that, it's that, so that old They don't school. use anywhere else. Yeah, but it's just these two to introduce Foggy and then to point out these boys are not his friends. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love just, that too because like it's it's so like it's such a foggy personality thing to put that. And I think Frank is just like, foggy's a fucking Jimmy Olsen style loser. Like let's put these stupid fucking arrows like down here and, and show that he's just a goofy motherfucker. It's, you just, know? It, it's so, it made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it makes, it cracks me up every time I get to that part too. And like, um, but yeah, so like Foggy is like being tortured by like this bully, which is funny because they're at like Columbia University and they're still like this like bully just like fucking with them. Come on. And like, yeah, and it's like, um, but, uh, you know, Matt actually like stealthily deals with this bully by tying him up in the snow one night and telling him to leave Foggy alone. Who, like, of course, is named Brad. He is named Brad. Yes. <laughs> that's every, I mean, I guess it's every early 90s. Name. I would say that's every 80s movie bully's name. Yeah. So like we see Get like Brad. Yeah, we see that you know like from uh basically tracking with what we saw yeah, Matt is like a young guy but we're seeing him in an actual school setting here that he's uh he's a very gifted student you know there's even a moment where he recommends that Foggy stops watching Star Trek while he studies <laughs> and like uh you know and um Matt even has like the ladies kind of like pursuing him, but he doesn't really seem to let himself like enjoy any of that or, or, or indulge or anything like that, you know, and uh, he prefers the solace of like, you know, running around like a ninja on campus at night, <laughs> you know, that's just his <laughs> you thing. You know, the quiet life. Yeah. <laughs> and like one night though, but well, not that kind of quiet. Yes. Not that kind the of other quiet. kind of quiet, <laughs> but like one night while he's, uh, while he's doing so he catches a scent. It's a rich perfume that he says cannot be a man's. Which, you know, is sexist, but yeah, whatever. come on. Yeah, come what? on, Matt. It's 2022, Matt. Yeah, come on, Matt. Oh, wait. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, so he follows it, ends up tracking behind a woman who is doing the same thing as him. She's running across rooftops and shit, doing parkour ninja stuff. And uh, she runs across, like, you know, rooftops. He follows. She jumps off buildings. He follows. He ends up following her to a park where he finds a trailer of her clothes, like, laid out. And it's like, it's like, Ooh, is this going to be like a a hot experience, you know? And then the cops show up (laughs) and and, uh, they detain Matt for being out past like campus curfew or whatever. And uh, the girl we see uh, is putting her clothes back on like far away, like watching the whole situation. She just kind of smirks and runs away. Uh, The next day, uh, Foggy and Matt are walking on the snowy streets back to their dorm when that same woman I don't know why I'm burying the lead here. It's Electra, whatever. <laughs> but like, but uh, maybe because maybe because in the story here they haven't actually officially said her name yet. So like, it's oh, it's yeah. a little that's, after this. That's true. But um, uh, anyway, she drives up in like this sick red sports car, top down. Doesn't matter. It's snowing. Her hair's blowing in the wind. She like almost hits them, and Matt immediately ditches Foggy and like just hops in because he knows Yo. that it's her. And uh, you know, she starts driving. They like speed through the streets. It's and Matt is like, this is so scary, but it's like exhilarating, you know, and like, and, and Electra, like, you know, just like she bursts through like this rail guard and James Bond parks right next to the ledge of a cliff. And, uh, I love that. Like, you know, they're, they're kind of talking back and forth, but it's like really, they're playing coy with each other, you know, and, um, uh, Electra, when she steps out of the car on this ledge of this cliff, like, uh, she says, uh, we're so close. She says, we're close to the edge, Matt Burdock. One step from the end. This is where we belong. Always on the brink. And she says that the rest leads safe, numb lives. But you, when I saw you on the rooftops, I knew we're two of a kind drawn to the edge and past it. And uh, now 
as she says that last part, she leans in real close like they're going to smooch, but she pulls back and purposely like begins to fall off the cliff. And Matt like freaks the fuck out because he's like, like you would. Yeah. And it, well, not just because she's doing that, but like he, he remembers the, the prostitute he accidentally killed. Like he has a vision of that. And, uh, Electra like joyfully falls in like this big, like, you know, splash page. Uh, and Matt hears ice crack and dives in after her only to come up and hear her laughing as she drives away in the car and leaves him in the, in the icy water. A jerk. And, uh, man, I gotta say like, just to side tangent on this part real quick, I can't express how much I love this entire sequence, like between Electra and Matt, like, uh, this is like what comes to mind to me when I think of this book. Like, this is like the main scene. And like, I love how it feels like, it's like all of a sudden, like, you know, we were a part of this gritty, like dour, dark origin story. And like all of a sudden it gets kind of like hazy and dreamy and it fits so perfectly because this is Matt falling in love. Like, you know, and, and like and <laughs> a batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah and, and like, and, and it's great because it's this like heightened reality that only like these two insanely gifted ninja people can share, <laughs> you know, but, but that works as like a perfect metaphor for like, early romantic feelings like it is like these like extravagant big feelings you know That's and true. like and it's just awesome and uh frank miller has has even said in like an interview when talking about electra and matt like not really specifically this scene but just their relationship you know and uh he's he says you know when he's talking about like why he wanted to bring in electra and and you know as as a character like in the daredevil kind of repertoire here like he, he says uh, why wouldn't these people be operatic in their romance the way they are in their combat and i was like and this is perfect description of that is this yeah. scene you know and like so anyway like matt trudges home and he's all wet and foggy he's like you should stay away from that electra she's trouble and like tells him like he's like your father is some hotshot diplomat so she just does what she wants you know or whatever and uh matt like can't let it go and he's like where she live you know <laughs> like and he just like wants to go after her and um uh a little inappropriate inappropriate oh in yeah day. well in any day in yeah, any very day. much so yeah but like i'm gonna go break into her house i'm gonna go break into her fucking house yeah but like uh for for reasons we don't even that aren't even really clear at this point, but whatever he's he's angsty, so you know. But like so, well, he, he she embarrassed him. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and in front and, of nobody. And he's like, and he's like, and she made me, she made me like her. <laughs> no, I'm wet. No, I'm all wet and feel stupid. <laughs> but yeah, like so, Matt actually like tries to sneak into her house, which is like heavily guarded because they're having like this big gala thing, and. uh he sneaks around, ends up like fighting a guard that comes across him with like a dog, and uh, oh, bad for the dog! Yeah, yeah, he hits the dog, and I'm like, I'm like, Daredevil. He, he uh, not quite in the neck. He kicks the dog in the chest. Yeah, and then we just never see the dog after that. But I'm sure like, the dog's fine. Uh, yeah, probably. But like, it's a big dog. But um, he ends it is up a big dog. It's like he, his size. But he, when he fights the guard, he ends up actually hitting the guard through like some glass, and like he like crashes into the party, and like. This is all while Electra is playing the piano, which she doesn't stop doing, like, even as these, like, fights break out and stuff. Even though and, the piano is completely smashed. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> she can keep hitting the keys if she wants, but it's going clunk, clunk, Oh, clunk, God. Clunk, this clunk, is, clunk. This might be the most, like, awkward Frank Miller thing in the entire story, because there's this innuendo about her playing the climax of the piece as Matt, <laughs> like, gets shot at. And we see her, like, bite her lip a little bit, or her lips, like, tighten or something. And 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 then he runs away. Very horny part of the book. 
can we take a moment and talk about her awful dress? <gasps> her like bag dress. It's, <laughs> it's she's the wearing. worst thing ever. It's like I kind I kind of okay. Like the dress sucks, yes, but like at the same time, it's nothing like Electra ever wears ever. Right, and and, like, I, and I realize that's the point. Yeah, that's the point because she's but she's putting up a front for her father and like these they're, like they're trying to be like, oh, this is a sweet innocent girl, but she's wearing this like fucking Amish dress. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, like this totally unbelievable thing in the 90s. Like, like, you know, like it doesn't have to be a turtleneck. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have just like a regular dress. Yeah, exactly. And we'd get the idea. But OK. But yeah, it's like uh, like Matt like runs away, you know, and um, he's actually nicked by a bullet in his arm and escapes. And I, I love how the, this scene is so funny because uh, I love how like he, he gets away, you know, and, and one of the guards says to Electra, like he won't get far. Then the very next panel starts with the caption box. Matt does get far. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but then like three panels later, it shows him leaving a literal trail of blood all the way back to his apartment. He lost a lot of blood. And, like <laughs> Obviously, nobody was even following him or they could could have followed the trail of blood in the snow and been like, oh, I'll just follow the They blood. were like, they were like, it's cold out there. We're yeah, not going. Like, oh, go yeah. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but so he gets to his dorm and patches himself up. Uh, and when he's in the shower, Electra shows up and they just bang a bunch. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like they, it, it's they, implied. Yeah. Oh, more than implied. Like, I mean, like it's, I mean, we don't, we do everything but straight up see them <laughs> like having sex, but like, you know, they ruin the room and uh, they kick they keep they kick Foggy out, you know. He or he they keep him out at least. Um, uh, and when Electra does leave, we get this like entire sequence where she goes to Times Square. It's like she's like high on the experience, and uh, she catches the eye of some assaulters or would be assaulters and uh, leads them like into an alley, and she like strips down and just kills the shit out of all of them, like. And it's it's another sequence where it's kind of like, you know, the when Jack gets murdered or when or when Matt goes after the gangsters, like it's super brutal. But like she straight up murders them, you know, like, oh, yeah. like kills them all. And like uh, and all while she like thinks about how, uh, hearing these voices in her head. <laughs> is is like, that like a is that a character trait of hers? Yeah. OK. Yeah. I don't, like like a, I, said, I don't know much about her either. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole psychiatric kind of angle to Electra, you know, um, uh, and, and I think obviously, too, this is kind of meant to illustrate the primary difference between her and Matt, which is, I guess, could be put down to just the, the value of life, you know, I guess like, yeah. you know, like uh, like she's pretty brutal she even writes i heart nyc in their blood above the bodies yeah, like the, it's like real normal girl yeah you know like i mean it's there's it, like yeah. the the bird's eye view scene where it's got like all the bodies and like i guess i think these are the cops yeah the yeah cops the cops who find yeah, it. it says i love new york and then right next to that there's like a blood splatter yeah where this dude's head was just smashed on the wall yeah and like you know so after this like we we kind of see Electra and Matt's their their relationship blossoms for like a little bit. They like train together in the gym, and uh, one night actually Stick shows up to Matt, and he's like, "Stay away from Electra," you know. And, and and then like, but Matt like just he's so blinded by you know just his 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 love and lust for Electra, like he he doesn't care, you know. And we actually see Matt and Electra like they like ski together, and they have this like, go ahead. I want both of those ski suits. Yeah. <laughs> In my personal collection. Uh, pretty rad. I feel like I had one that was pretty similar yeah. when I was a kid, actually. But man, I would wear either one of those like 
just out just in, just yeah, out just out going to grocery yeah, shopping it's, <laughs> it's all the, those early 90s looks are coming back these they, days. they are coming back yeah it's nostalgia now and like yeah so like you know they're skiing together and they, they end up staying in like this cabin and um they have like this really insightful conversation where she literally tells him that she killed five people last week and he flat out dismisses it as like a joke <laughs> Like he just cannot see any You're bad. Crazy. In her. Yeah, he's like he's like don't say that crazy stuff or whatever. And um, <laughs> I love what she tells him right before she admits that too, where she says, "Um, uh, you're something I don't deserve, something I can't keep. If I could have stopped myself, I never would have come to you. It was wrong." And it's like, dude, like this, fu-. but the whole time, like Matt doesn't he doesn't he doesn't understand anything oh. that's coming out of her mouth. He's just smiling the whole time, <laughs> and like, but uh. The next scene is Electra saying goodbye to Matt as she boards her private plane. Like she's like, she's like, I'm going to go to like hell, like by myself, you know, like I can't bring you into this with me. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Like, you know, and, and Matt can only watch as, you know, once again, he feels punished for, and, and remembers like, you know, the, the falling prostitute again, like, and, uh, I was a little bit confused. So we jumped, we jumped from their whole little fireplace scene. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there's this thing where there's a plane, but before that, there's like, it looks like a funeral. And it's like, she says, do you see now, Matt? I loved Papa. And so he Oh, because her her dad dies. Yeah. But that just happens off. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just like the implication of like some stuff happens and like, you know, she doesn't want to, you know, the the implication of like Electra knows more than she's leading on with Matt. I was just making sure I didn't miss something here because like that happened. I was like, wait, what? It's elaborated (laughs) on a lot more in the, in the, in the run at least, you know, but, um, but, but yeah. So, I mean, like they kind of skim past that, but like basically they're like, okay, we need to break up, break up now. But, um, uh, it's worth noting too. Uh, we do get a little kingpin action here as kind of like an epilogue or like a stinger. Uh, we see him kill a crime boss and kind of ascend to the role in like a little, you know, kind of, implicative scene uh i like how the the boss that he actually kills is like chastising like this this meeting of other bosses you know other crime lords about like having honor and not using kids and not doing sex trafficking and kingpin is like that's my shit though and like um uh, we're <laughs> gonna do that yeah and like he just kills that guy and takes his spot and um uh we also get exposed here um, uh, to a character that's gonna be important in this last part of the story where um uh, kingpin has a prized assassin named larks Who's a real piece of shit. Yeah, he's terrible. And uh and and basically he's he lays out his plans. He's like, We're gonna rule the city, you know? And uh so at this point we jump to the third and final kind of time period in this story. Uh few years pass. Matt returns home to New York. Um it's implied that he actually goes there because he's on business for the Boston firm that he works in. Yeah. I, um for something. And you then know. that falls apart without explanation. Because he just doesn't do anything yeah. like for it. Like he 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 ends up like, you know, doing what happens in the story. But like um, you know, so it, it we were told though, like I said, he he works for like this this firm in Boston and, and he's not like really keen on it. He's like he's like the money's good, it's like a good job, but like his boss seems like kind of an asshole. Yeah, like they're just like, you know, it's it's not about like helping people, like how Matt like gets real fulfillment out of, you know. And um he like wanders around the city and uh ends up strolling down to Hell's Kitchen, like just kind of instinctively, like he's just kind of in a daze and uh 
he he's like remembering the kids who tortured him and called him daredevil and like stuff like that and so like uh yeah and so he he gets harassed by like some gang members i love too that they're they they all have vests on that say the 46th street gang all spelled out uh which is just funny uh, but like um he beats real, real incognito yeah <laughs> but like no gang activity here yeah. officer. <laughs> but he he beats the hell out of them you know because they start harassing him and uh he's he's in his head like i thought that this was kind of neat at least it kind of redeems the daredevil thing because he's hearing the kids from the past calling him daredevil and like he's just beating the shit out of these guys who have no idea who he is they're just trying to rob him and uh he's like he's like he's like don't call me that like you know and they're like we're not saying anything you know or whatever well, <laughs> like it's like <laughs> so i saw it and I, I i ended up switching back and the only thing i can figure is the last thing they said to him is give us a show blind man yeah shrimp. they call him blind and man. it's like they called him blind man and he got real mad yeah, about it <laughs> but he's not thinking of that he's no. just thinking of daredevil but i like that like, in their mind they're like shit all we did was call the blind man yeah blind like man. Uh, yeah it's like that's not even like that derogatory, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a factual statement. Yeah, like, but, so he ends up like after he beats the shit out of these guys, he, he goes to the, the gym where he used to go to, but it, which is, you know, closed down and barren. And, uh, uh, he finds a homeless teenager living there named Mickey. And, um, he explains who he is and like, you know, they, they get along well. Um, uh, we actually see a poster and this is where we get the explanation. So like, uh, Mickey, um, she sees like this poster in the gym and it, and it, it's, it's Matt's dad. And he's dressed in like this devil outfit as like a boxing persona. Cause he's Jack, the devil Murdoch. And, um, so that's why the kids teased him and called him daredevil. Cause they were like, your dad dressed up like a dork or whatever, you know? And, uh, and you're, and you won't do nothing to daredevil, you know? It's like, so, so it was a bit more personal than just some random ass name that, that they had to make, you know? It's I mean, still like, not a very good, it's, like, yeah. if you're trying to come up with a name, like even like as children, I feel like if you just called him like devil boy or something, that would have been more of like a taunt true daredevil like daredevil makes him sound brave yeah yeah that's true maybe they just didn't know what it meant yeah. probably weren't the smartest kids anyway so like <laughs> he ends up uh you know like i said he's in town and he's just kind of like doing the hell's kitchen thing and uh he ends up meeting up with foggy who's working on like a local case against a slumlord who orders an awful sandwich yes <laughs> i had that in foggy. my notes <laughs> that his sandwich was very bad which i mean is on purpose he always has funny food that's a that's a that's a staple is it yeah i, like, I was just like, like i i loved this interaction though he's like you want pastrami rumen on white that's an damn crime yes <laughs> and a side of mayonnaise <laughs> like what so, the hell so like <laughs> matt like you know like actually ends up helping him and realizes he's like he's like i like this type of work you know like helping people like this is what we're supposed to do you know this is what we went to school for you know and what we studied like we're supposed to help people who who don't have a shot you know and uh meanwhile you know within the city like kingpin is pressing on people under him to produce like more output in uh human trafficking and uh it's all the rage uh, yeah <laughs> and unfortunately larks like goes to like this underling and uh the underling like presses these two junkies to get like him a young girl in exchange for a fix basically um they end up kidnapping mickey uh because she's like you know a 14 year old girl or whatever and um but decide to they they want to like double the deal basically and they like the guy junkie because it's a guy and a girl and um the guy's like well we could hold this teenager ransom and get money from her parents 
you know, and, 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 and then and do just that. keep her. Yeah. And then just keep her like, you know, Emma. And, uh, you know, so they, they've, they, you know, ransom Mickey to her parents, which they agree for the safe return of their daughter. This um, is like, this is the definition of like a meth heads plan. Yeah. By the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's no, just it's, like, it's very like, no, I'm a, the, I like the whole time. The guy's like, I'm a genius. Yeah. This yeah. Gonna, this is going to be great. Yeah. I'm so smart. And, like, and no, then you're on drugs. It gets even it gets even better and much more meth heady in just a moment because <laughs> because like the other junkie immediately sells out the ransom junkie like to the to the underling guy yeah. and is like is like because, yeah so if I because so that's if, what junkies do so this is what like he's doing and I told him it wasn't a good idea like but um but you know like yeah can can you like you know get me something like for that you know or whatever and um uh, you know and you know but his boss tells his boss who tells his boss who tells the kingpin. And Kingpin finds out, and so he sends Larks to take care of the situation. He's like, man, just fuck this whole thing. Like, he's like, you could just fucking get rid of it. This is and more like, trouble than it's worth. Yeah, it and like, so Matt, meanwhile, um, you know, goes back to Jim. He finds Mickey's hat and 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 is like, this ain't right. Like, she never goes anywhere with that hat, you know? And uh, and he was, but she was supposed to be here. And um, he ends up, like, pursuing the kidnappers. Um, and he tracks, like, the father of Mickey, like he's like on the rooftops, like following him around because the this, junkies this, uh, are like rooftop scene in the rain is very good. Oh, dude, yeah, this, that's that's another iconic page. shot. Yeah, yeah like it's very good. I love that. Yeah, and like uh, so you know he's tracking, and uh, you know the the junkies like telling him to like go to all these different places and stuff like that, and like send him all across town uh, to to make the drop. And um, you know when the junkie picks up the money, Matt follows him back to like you know the like hotel or wherever they were like at and uh the junkie is immediately killed by larks who's in there and uh larks spots matt who evades the shots like just barely and uh larks takes mickey puts her in a room in like a waterfront where kingpin keeps all of like his trafficked people and uh there's there's this really i guess it's a little goofy but i think it's kind of cool in the context where like mickey who knows about Matt's like abilities. Cause you know, they've been hanging out and like training at the gym together. Um, begins to like, she sings like this tune and like the other inmates, like the other people who are trapped there hum along to it. And, uh, that the people are just like, Oh, you know, maybe their spirits are up or something like that. Like the, the <laughs> terrible human trafficker people, but like, uh, guess they're excited for all the trafficking. Yeah. But, but they're doing it so that Matt, it's easier for Matt to find them. And, uh, when we see Matt, like he's in his sick black outfit with the headband covering his face. Super awesome. The one from the show, the one where yep. the show got the idea. Yep. And I love that costume. It's, it it's super cool. It's <laughs> like, but like so Matt, like infiltrates, starts kicking ass, bunch of really great fight sequences here. Like that full page spread of him trudging like forward is so cool. That's another that, iconic moment. So, he's got like a Tita's on or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, they are. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was, there's been a that, I think that's like, here. that's like the iconic shot, like in the, in the book, I think. So I so. don't know. I, there's several things in here that like, I sort of look at and I'm like, I don't, and I don't know like timeline wise, how it would like, who would influence who, but there's definitely some art in here that reminds me of Frank Miller's art. And I don't know. And this is one of them. Oh yeah. Like this looks like it could be a Frank Miller pinup. Yeah. Like this. And like some of the, I think Romita was definitely channeling that. I mean, especially with working with Frank, you know, and, and mean, that's like, what I didn't know is if, is if timeline wise, cause I didn't do my research. Uh, 
if this was him sort of being influenced by Frank or if Frank had been influenced by him. I think this would definitely be Ramita trying to evoke Frank. Like, you know, like there's other stuff like, like, again, sorry, listeners, you can't see this, but like there's this panel of Electra's eyes. It's like that. That looks like Frank Miller drew it. Yes. Like there's a lot of stuff in here. Like Electra's Electra's whole look is very Frank Miller. That's true. The the giant crazy hair. And Mm -hmm. like that's just like seems to like be alive. It's like just blowing in random directions all the time and huge and stuff. Yeah. But like this, this, you know, full page spread. Matt trudging forward. Enough to the point. Yeah. It's a, I think I, I had made note. It was, it's page one of issue five. Yeah. Apparently that's Oh, that's cool. I forgot that that trade actually has the page breaks. My original one doesn't like, it just goes like a graphic novel, you know, like, but. So yeah, like, I mean, that's a hell of a way to open up issue five. You know, it's just like, oh shit, he's, he's pissed. Yeah. He's pissed and he's, he's, he's doing it. And like, so like I said, I'm a, he just, Matt just like causes all kinds of mayhem at this point. Like he blows up a dock with like a thing of grenades after like drowning two guys and Which stuff. Was awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. And like uh he escapes like barrages of bullets and evades like cars trying to run him over and shit. And like uh he incapacitates like so many guards. It's it's rad. Um he ends up being like chased by a car of guards that like burst through a wall. And um at that point, like Larks takes Mickey. And like drives away. He actually calls like a taxi in like the city alley, which I thought was funny because he just goes to this alley and immediately he's like, cabby. And like, and then, you know, the, the cabby comes up and he's all like, he's like, hey, the fair's running Jacko or whatever. And uh, it like, and just then, murders the guy. And then the next panel, like th- this, there's some of these things in here. There's the other one was like when that junkie guy get, gets back to the hotel. Yeah. And he's it's just him at the door. And the next panel is just blood spraying out of his head. Yeah. And like this is another one where it's just the cabbie and then just the shattered window. And it's just like, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Like it's like, <laughs> this Larks dude t- is heartless. Larks doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And so like, uh, but Matt, you know, is like somewhere else, like running from his pursuers than the car. And he realizes at some point, like they, they've given up the chase. And when he like rounds the corner, he realizes because he's met by police who arrest him, you know, and uh, they put him in the car. Uh, but as Mickey is like struggling with Larks, uh, she gets out a scream for Matt, like in this big splash page too. like she just yells out Matt. And uh, when Matt hears it, he incapacitates the policeman by kicking out like the guardrail in the car and uh, they crash. And Matt uses his senses to like drive the car near where he heard Mickey, you know, and, and you get this, you get this fun description of him, like talking about like how he's like, I don't like driving. Like, you know, like all this stuff, but it's like, he's blind. Yeah. I wouldn't like driving either. Yeah. This was was one of my favorite things. He says in in no condition to chase them, not on foot, dizzy, dot, 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 dizzy, blind man, not much of a driver. Yeah. Not much of a driver. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. And so like, Matt does track them though. He he gets them into the building where they're they're holed up and uh he enters and um this whole sequence, you know, he just he just repeatedly tells um Larks, let her go. I don't want to kill you. Like everything Larks says at him, he's like, he's like, get out of here, man. Like, you don't know, I'll kill her, like whatever. He's like, let her go. I don't want to kill you. And uh Larks argues back with him, threatening to shoot him. Matt tells him he's daredevil and repeats the same phrase. <laughs> he's like, he's like, call me daredevil. I don't want to kill you. Let her go. You know? And, uh, Larks fires, Matt hits it away. Um, Larks fires again and Matt's lost patience. He hits it back, killing him. Like he ricochets it and, and, and kills Larks. Um, 
this creates the legend of daredevil throughout the streets this is the incident you know and uh you know we get this whole little thing after the fact like you know because he saved mickey and uh kingpin like laments about like his troublesome new foe you know and like all stuff just like you know talking about like how oh you know this daredevil may be a problem type of thing and um matt decides like you know at this point he's staying in new york and uh he partners up with foggy formerly uh to begin their their good work as nelson and murdoch and uh that's actually kind of a funny scene too because they're at like a bar and uh um because <laughs> they decide to flip a coin to see whose name will go first, like in the firm. And, uh, they flip it and stick is at the bar who actually like catches the the coin. And he like heads out and he tells Matt, he's like, he's like foggy won the toss. And he's like, he's like, don't get cocky. It's a, it's a very action movie moment, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like, but, uh, um, the last sequence is a uh, narration as daredevil like runs across some rooftops like to kind of end the book and um, i'll just quote the whole thing because it's really good i think it like distills the character and it just says um daredevil it was in that moment of cold purpose that moment when mickey's life hung in the balance that moment when the wild part of him found itself calm and clear that moment that matt murdoch became a man it was in that moment that the name came back to him daredevil echoing from the schoolyard from the bully's taunts daredevil he hated that name. He wanted to shove it down their throats. And now he wears it like a badge. Let all the bullies know, all of them, the kind that use knives and guns and the kind that use money. They have an enemy, Daredevil. The costume is probably a good idea. Sewed it myself. God only knows what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which I love that. Like, So I finished this and I was like, I loved that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But then, like that, just the art on that, like ending double page spread, yeah, where it's got like it's all the like, all the of old his costumes. all of his old costumes leading into the the modern Daredevil costume. And I was I, like, oh man, that's a really cool thing. It's like not even realizing trail. that's the cover <laughs> of what I've been reading this yeah, whole time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't even notice it on there. <laughs> to be fair, it's not the normal like that. That was just the the reprinted cover, but like this was the uh, original graphic novel cover, which I think that's is pretty cool. It's just like a silhouette. Yeah. The um, red is good. Yeah. And like, uh, but yeah, so like, yeah, as we said, like the final panel is just a big splash page and he's leaping in full costume and he's got like the ghost trail of the previous costumes behind him. It's a super, super iconic. Yeah. And, uh, that's the end of a uh, daredevil man without fear. Woo. Woohoo. Uh, so one other note I had, I didn't want to interrupt you cause you were on a roll. Yeah. Fucking this Mickey girl though, <laughs> the whole time. She will not shut up about Matt. It's Matt. Matt's doing this. It's going to be Matt. Matt's going to save me. And like, well, she likes him. Yeah. But like, she's just (laughs) spraying his name all all over the place with these mob guys. Like they're not going to come after someone named Matt. That's true. That's true. Yeah. He's got special powers. And like, (laughs) and then then they see a damn teenagers. And then they see a guy with a blindfold on. It's like, okay, how many blind guys named Matt are there in New York? Like, they're the mob. They're going to do research and they're going to find this high profile lawyer who's blind named Matt and they're going to kill him. Yeah, well. Or they're going to try. Kingpin does find out who he is eventually. Well, I mean, it's got that's got to happen. Yeah, but it's not even because of that, though. (laughs) But (laughs) it's because of a lot worse reasons. But one day we'll do that story. That's one of my favorites. Um, uh, Yeah. But um. Yeah, man. So I guess we can go into some overall thoughts. I'm, uh, unless you just got some stuff you want to get off right off the bat. I'm, uh, I do have like, as per usual, I got some like prompt questions just to get us sure. going. That's um, probably, uh, that's probably 
helpful? Yeah. So like, I mean, I know that this is kind of a general one, but like, um, I think, you know, cause I write these questions, they're not the same each episode. I just think about stuff that I thought about during the book and kind of like how I would want to be questioned about it if, if it was in my own head, you know? Uh, and, um, I put, uh, what stuck out to you the most about this story? Just like gut reaction. Uh, plot wise or just over anything. Yeah. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the art. Yeah. I, I sort of mentioned at the beginning, I think that like, you know, I'd read a little bit of Ramita's stuff before and I know he's like a, a highly renowned artist just in general. I feel like he can, he can be a little, we'll talk about that too. Cause like, like yeah. Um, so all I've really read is like, he's done. So he did that. Uh, uh, what did I say? It was Superman year one. Mm-hmm. He did all-star Batman with Scott Snyder. Yes. Which I read. Uh, and then he, d- I think he did some, some of the Bendis justice league stuff. Does that sound right? He might've something, I don't know. something somewhat more recently. Um, and I just kind of never saw what the big deal was about him. And like, I think it's more in the way that like, um, cause I do think like if I, if I have to name like particulars that he does, he does action really well. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in a way that like definitely caught on for other artists, like even though they don't have like his particular look and style, like you can tell he influenced a lot of that stuff, um, in modern comics, but like with Ramita, like, I mean, he gained so much acclaim because of just the fact of like, he worked on so many, like, you know, high profile characters and stories and was just involved in like the creative process of those things that like, you know, built a huge reputation for himself. And, uh, he also has a reputation as well for being a guy who's like, you know, if you, if you ever see some of his stuff that like looks kind of wonky to you or anything like that, he, he always has that. He's one of those guys that's like, yeah, you know, I mean, like. I get hired because I turn pages in on time, you know, like, and it's like, you know, fair enough, hey, you know, yeah, I mean, like, and you know, fair. and, and I, I can understand people who don't really like his style per se. Cause sometimes when he gets that ultra Ramita stylized art, which this, I don't think really is. I don't either. I That's think it's, I it's say. a lot more him. Like, I think the first time I read this, I was actually surprised it was him. Like yeah. I was like, I was like, this is like way cooler than like anything that I had read from him at the time. Granted, yeah, that was pretty early in like my reading career with comics, but like if someone handed me this and it didn't have his name on it, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have like been like, Oh, this is John. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. And, Some, and sometimes it looks a, like him. That but was like, a sort of pleasant surprise to me. And I don't like, I don't mean to talk shit. That's not what I'm trying to do here at yeah. all. But like, his art just hasn't ever really been my thing Yeah, in the stuff I've read. And, and you're not uh, alone there. A lot of people feel that way, you know, for but me, I like this a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. This, this is all very good. Like yeah. there's the occasional, I'm, I'm flipping through here trying to find an example and I'm probably won't, but I, I know there were a couple of times when I was reading through it where I was like, Oh, there's that weird, that weird nose or whatever that he does. Or the super round faces and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But overall, like I was pleasantly, you know, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Cause like, so sort of what I was saying at the beginning too, is like, it, it, this was less f- over the top Frank Millery as well as less sort of over the top Romita. Yeah. For me. So it was like, Oh, the, the, the sort of two things that I was a little bit apprehensive about. They were, balance each were other issues Yeah. In this, which was, which was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if I have it, it, like, when I think about this story, like for me, it would be, uh, I guess the consistency 
of like the themes as they relate to Frank's entire daredevil body of work, you know? So I look at it in that context a bit, you know, um, like it, it touches on everything relevant and even manages to like expand on some of the aspects even like in his run, like, and it's all in all only in like the five issues, you know I mean? Like while also retelling the origin basically. So, I mean, like it's, it's quite the uh, achievement to me. I mean, like, you get the the love, the loss, like the tragedy, you know, like overcoming the odds, personal struggle, like overdoing the right thing. And, you know, everything that he made special about Matt and, and even Electra, you know, like all, all kind of just distilled into like this this piece, you know, to to tie everything together. Um, and yeah, as far as Romita goes, like I'm not like a John Romita Jr. hater. Um, I mean, like some of his work doesn't hit for me, as I said, like, but I do think when it hits especially in this it hits really hard like i mean like he i think this is my favorite work that i've seen of his that that i've read you know like i mean like it, it just fits the tone perfectly to me you know if frank wasn't if frank wasn't yeah. going to draw this himself you know right. like i mean yeah, like it's like sure. uh, and and i think that that almost adds something to it because like he had another person to bounce off of you know like in in this way of that that's a lot more akin to his style than say like um you know, during his actual daredevil run, like when he, when he went to moving on to just being the writer in that and whatnot too, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it, it it's a good pair. Um, but yeah, like speaking of Miller, um, one of my other questions was just like, uh, how about, uh, Miller's writing in this, you know, I know you said it wasn't yeah, I mean, so like, over the top, was, you know, it was subdued. Um, yeah, I think that he, at, at this point it, I would almost say like, you know, I mean, yeah, he may have come out with some stuff that I don't, necessarily dig too much by this point but i think this is proof that like at this time he was still headed in it he was still on top of his game oh like sure. in this in this point like i figure this was i know forgive my bad memory i know we already talked about this um so this was right after i mean very shortly after anyway like dark knight returns and batman year one A couple yeah. couple years after okay. yeah but um because yeah i mean like i Frank Miller is such a weird writer that like he's he's more bombastic in Dark Knight Returns and then sort of like mellows out a little on like Batman Year One. And I feel like this is much more on that year one, like Batman Year One kind of level as far as like it it definitely is. He's not trying to be um, edgy. Yeah, he's not not trying to be controversial. You know, he's just like he's just telling a story and he like and this fits with his just sort of. I think natural, like gritty sort of style because he is like this street level. I mean, you know, like Batman is, but like, yeah, but more so, you know, he's more so street level because he's not a billionaire. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like Matt, like that, Matt fits his sensibilities extremely well. And Um, I don't know anything about Frank Miller's history, but like it's written in a way where I wouldn't be surprised to find out Frank Miller grew up in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, like it feels it, like he's right at home. Which like doing if, that. if he did, then like, yeah. And if he didn't, then like, that's even more of like an accolade, you know, yeah. to be like, Oh no. Like if he didn't grow up in Hell's Kitchen to be able to write and make it sound like he did, like that's, you know, that's yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like in regards to, just Miller's writing. Like, I think the best compliment I can pay it is that this book makes me rethink it every time I read it, like in a, in a good way, you know I mean? Like it, like it, it's always like, I'm always unconsciously like 
exploring or like attached to some different facet of the story when I'm reading it. Like, and I, and I, and it just, uh, it just keeps opening up to me the more like as years passed and I've read it and like, it's just daredevil in like the purest essence to me, like everything that he turned daredevil into that in turn is how people view daredevil now, you know, and why he's unique now and not the poor man spider-man as frank has, has, <laughs> has, has said he was before Which makes me curious to read early daredevil to see oh, I, like I, I what got that's the like big old book right here oh that's <laughs> like, what that is yeah okay but like you know it's just standard like silver age marvel type stuff you yeah. know i mean like you know there's some cool stuff cool character introductions evil doer yeah that kind of shit <laughs> yeah. oh no my cane that type of shit. Yeah, so to like, me, my king. Yeah. So I was curious, like, since, you know, you having a, a bit more of a limited knowledge on just Daredevil as a character, um, you know, but having, like, you know, seen the show and just being a fan of comics, you can infer a lot of things or, or yeah. have heard things like, you know, um, but how does this work as like a Daredevil story or origin for you? Like, did it meet like the expectation that you had for like a Frank Miller daredevil story or, or, or just a daredevil story in general. I mean, I, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it to reference Batman year one again, it is daredevil year. It's one. inevitable. It's written by the same guy and they're very similar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it's an origin story. It's year one, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I, I thought it was super well done. Um, I mean, I feel like, I mean, like I said, I, I thought this was the beginning of his run. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cool that the fact that it's not. Yeah. Like he retroactively. Yeah. He like, he's able to sort of reference things that are going to happen. Like he's able to plant seeds retroactively. Yeah. You know, which, which I'd be, would make me interested to read all the stuff he had done before. Yeah. You know, cause I feel like then I would just appreciate this one that much better. It, I, I feel like it definitely adds to it, but I, I also just feel like the fact that the reverence for this book that I have and that a lot of people have is just the fact that it, it's, it's so clearly for me, at least like the number one contender for the daredevil origin story. You know I mean? Like uh, it's the definitive one. I mean, I know it's, it's technically like an elaboration and not like a straight up giant retcon new origin type thing, you know, but like, it's just like the best possible origin for what Matt turned into under the reins of Frank Miller, you know, like, uh, and, and under most of the amazing talent who followed him, like, you know, they, they just go with this, you know, it's like, that's cause you know, it's, it's great. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go full tilt and be unnecessarily controversial here for a second. Uh, uh and, uh, create sides in an imaginary argument that didn't exist before this. But, um, uh, I think this is better than Batman year one. Um, and, and that's not because I'm a bigger daredevil fan than I am Batman. It's because it feels more like broad spanning and somehow more personal, like in scope to me. Um, that's a hard thing to pull off. And I think Frank Romita and company, you know, on this book, like do it beautifully here. Um, and it could be because of just like, uh, it could be, I, I should say it's a hundred percent because of like the context I have for these characters. And, and, and I'm not talking about like just my, 
my love of these characters. Like, just like, I know directly what becomes of this, you know, and, and yeah. being like, especially the Electra shit, like that stuff. Like I said, that's my favorite portion of the book. I mean, like I just unabashedly love that f- first meeting scene of them too. Like, it's just like, I just, I just love it. Like, it's just, it, it it's a fucking perfect distillation of like their relationship, like to me and, and, and what, what love in like superhero comics could be, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just dig it. I, w- I, I will say I, I, I appreciate that scene more now having talked about it with you yeah, than I did yeah. originally. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like I never even thought I'm about a that champion way. for that. Oh my God. I, I was going to tell you, the reason I didn't talk about this, but um, when we hung out like a couple weeks ago and we were talking about doing this book for the show, um, I almost went into a whole thing where I was so excited to do this because <laughs> because right now we currently like, you know, at, at the time of this recording, um, Marvel is in the middle of an event right now called Devil's Reign and being written by Chip Zdarsky following his like fantastic daredevil run with marco cicetto which i dropped off of like three years if i had known like if i had known it was about to end i would have stuck it out but man i was getting burnt out on all that prison stuff i understand i understand (laughs) but i i've loved every minute of it but um uh zadarsky is um writing the event right and um in the context of uh daredevil right now like like as you were just saying matt is actually in jail and um serving time willingly and um, Electra takes up the mantle of Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen. And she's got a rad new fucking design. And um, uh, <laughs> like um, for this event, um, it's very like whole Marvel universe focused, um, you know, with like all the characters and everything like Daredevil. I wouldn't even call at least so far in the event of what we've had released so far. He's not even really like the main character. Um, it's very kingpin focused, you know, which inherently has daredevil drawn in, but like, it's not like every page is like Matt, like telling all the other heroes, like, this is my story now, you know, it's like everybody's involved, but, um, Chip Zdarsky is writing a tie-in series to that, um, which I've kind of taken a sabbatical from tie-ins, but (laughs) since it was, since it's Zdarsky writing it for his own event, I was like, I want to check this out. And it's called, it's a three issue mini called, uh, daredevil, the woman without fear. And it's, um, it's, it's that. about Electra. And, um, in the first issue, he directly references that scene. And I was like, Oh, oh like, yeah. yeah. Like it's like he, he, cause, cause she goes back to Columbia university to follow up on a lead. Like of she's trying to figure some stuff out and she goes to the cliff no and way. it's like remembering like that and stuff. And, uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, Oh, like, I love that. I love that. You know, that chip. And I love that. You <laughs> love that too. And that's why he's writing that book. Yes. Yeah. But- <laughs> Cause he knows it. Yes. He gives a shit. Yeah. And like, but, but yeah, I just, I can't, I can't gush enough about that, that scene in general, just, just that whole portion of the story is my favorite. And it's funny too, because um, in that story that I was telling you about with Ramita, like getting the original like draft for this. And it was like a 64 page thing. Um, he joked about how Frank like called him up and was like, yeah, I got some stuff we can add between uh, pages 17 and 18. And he's like, and it ended up being 84 pages. Like, you know, like um, he he tells that story and I don't know if he's just making up that number, but that would imply like if it's, if it was legit, like a giant chunk he added, if that whole thing wasn't in there before, thank God they added that in because that's like, like I said, the key to the book for me. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it, like 
like I said, not trying to spark controversy, but I'm just, so, I just, I'm, I love this book, you know, like, <laughs> I just, you know, do. <laughs> I, mean, like, I haven't, I haven't read Batman year one in so long. I, it's been a while for me. I, it, me, I, me writing that in my notes <laughs> made me be like, I should probably read year one again, just to be sure. But like, I'd, I'd for yeah. sure be interested to, to read it again, like real soon. Yeah. After, after this, to make yeah. a comparison. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, I mean, if I'm being honest, like I, I mean, it's been, it's probably been at least 10 years since the last time I read Batman year it's, one. It's been a few for me. I, it hasn't been that long, but it, it's been a few since I've read it. Uh, and in my memory, I liked it. Um, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah, so I'd be know. interested to read that. I mean, as a, as an origin story, side by side, Frank Miller comparison. It'd be just, an interesting uh, experiment. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I, I think, um, but yeah, like. I, I will say I will be fair here um, because I did mention it kind of when we got to some certain parts in the book. I just didn't delve into it when we were going through the story. But um, the biggest negative I can say about this story, and I can only say, like, there are clearly plot lines left hanging yes. from the Daredevil run, which it just assumes that you read. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, so heavy, yes. especially the stick shit. Jesus yeah. Christ, that page is so ridiculous, like, but, in this book. Like, it's cool, but, like, it doesn't get followed up on. Like, you, like, like if you were intrigued by that, but like, you know, it's like, I don't, like, there's nothing. There's nothing after that, you know? Like, they tell, you said they do, like, tell that story. They in, do tell that story, in yes. In the past. They did. Right? And, and I, I get that. But, like, that's something that it's almost just like, you should have made that more vague, maybe like implied that it was yeah. something else. Like, it's like, it feels like where it's at, like, we're, oh, we're going to get the answers here. If, you know, like by the if end, if they did it today, they'd have a little asterisk with an editor's note and be like, yes. Sorry. Oh, what happens next? Go back 20 years ago. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, that long, and like, so it doesn't, it doesn't work. That's its only fault is that it doesn't work because of those moments completely as a standalone like graphic novel like it comes off in those couple of moments it's more of a companion piece and that's okay but like you know i I mean i mean we're not dummies so we can all like you know and our listeners you know you're not dummies either so it's like you know you can infer even if we haven't read it i still think this is highly enjoyable regardless you know i i i think it does stand as you know its own its own thing because I read comics and like understand that. Yeah. It's the kind of thing. It's like, Oh, like that's, that. that's an illusion. I mean, like I said, when I read it, I was just like, Oh, that, that comes in a later, yeah. you know, not knowing it and, already happened, but like, Oh, that'll be addressed later. I don't have to worry about it right now. Yeah. So. And, and I think, I, I think I only really like went down that rabbit hole of, of bringing that up because it doesn't necessarily bother me when I read it, but like, and I don't think it would in any instance, even if this was the first frank miller daredevil thing i read which it wasn't it was the last thing because i read it like all in order but like you know it it's um i think i I, that was more me comparing it to year one where year one is purely its own story like you know like you don't have to worry about other shit going on you know like it's that's just uh you know he doesn't even like really tie it into like his at the time previous batman work you know it's like this is just like the definitive batman origin that has been used since then you know yeah. so um i think that's the main like argument i can make against this one comparative to batman year one but i still just i just love this book like the the moments that work work so well for me and uh yeah i don't know is it was so, there a yeah go ahead 
so the did Ramita do the other stuff with him too? No. Okay. No. Um, Ramita didn't even jump on Daredevil until, um, like I said, before this, he was doing the main Daredevil title with Anna Sinti. Okay. Um, after. And, and f- Frank Miller's other Daredevil stuff was before that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I know nothing about Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, Frank, like just, to, you know, when Ramita hit him up, you know, I mean, I, and, uh, I guess Frank Miller just, you know, was so successful at that point and just batting a hundred that like, you know, he could just go to either company and just be like, I want to work here. And they're like, yes, please, please do <laughs> please something do. here. Yeah. Like, um, I want to do another daredevil thing. And everybody's like, Oh, you want to do something on the, the most important book that you've done for us ever? Like, yes, please do. Um, anything you want, Mr. Yeah, Miller, sir. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean like those were basically my question. Was, was there anything else you wanted to add or anything before I, before I ask you the old final question, you know? I don't know. I don't got any other notes. I just, uh, yeah, my main, like, well, my main thing was just, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised by the art. That's so, cool. Well, I mean, I, I thought the writing was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't blow me away, but it doesn't have to, you know, it, yeah. was, it was an enjoyable story. He did. Services the story, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess one other note I did make that is totally like not, uh, not relevant to the story at all, but like I've gotten so used to reading modern comics that like reading something on like the old style, like paper, like yeah. newsprint paper. <laughs> Man, I didn't realize. Feels so weird. I didn't realize I missed it so much. But it's like, oh, this is what fucking comics are supposed to. Feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, it, even just the texture of the page, you're like, you're like, oh, it's not that glossy, nice new yeah. finish. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm reading and it fits so well with something like this with where this. it's like a gritty yeah, story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I know. I totally understand that. Yeah. Well, I guess we could go ahead and get to the, the old crux of this entire show. So, Scott, Daredevil, the man without fear, would you pull it or drop it? I mean, I'm probably going to buy myself a copy. Yeah, okay. Well, that thing is pretty <laughs> obvious then. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's a pull it. Uh, and, nice. And I'd probably, I mean, I'll probably even, you know, go back and check out some of his other stuff so I can... Hell, maybe we'll, out. maybe we'll do it on the show. Yeah, maybe. We'll do the Daredevil on the figure show. Figure out what the hell all this stuff's talking yes. about. <laughs> so what Stick and Stone are up to, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that, I was like, I wasn't even concerned when they're, when that just like dropped after a page. Cause like, ah, it doesn't seem like a story that interests me. <laughs> You're like, oh God. That sounds oh, God. like some supernatural shit. I don't need that in Daredevil. Only two adepts born in this generation, you know? Yeah. yeah I don't care. <laughs> Such a specific thing to say. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it yeah. makes it sound like it's going to be like, oh, these are the chosen ones. And I mean, like, that's how they sort of handle yeah. it. You know, I mean, like it's, it's not as hammy as that scene would make you <laughs> believe it is i don't but, know if i need that in my daredevil mythology yeah but, yeah but hey you know if if you want to if you want me to read that to do another show i'll read that it's good stuff it's really <laughs> good stuff but yeah well all right we'll wrap it up here i'm uh there there you have it everybody uh thanks for listening if you want to support this podcast please check out our patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics that way we can continue to provide you with even more great content it's never expected but always appreciated you can follow the show on Twitter at No Comic Friends for updates and posts and all that jazz. Um, uh, or you can email the show with your uh, you know comments, opinions, thoughts, and all that jazz at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. And if you mark it okay to air, we'll read it on the air and respond. Uh, we are entirely self-funded here and just want to get the word out about the show. So tell your friends and family who might be interested in this to give us a listen. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 
Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next page. Mm-hmm.